0: Welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full-time to game-time, Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm a lot more, uh, I don't know, clear mentally. After uh, what I saw yesterday, the reaction podcast, uh, you know, was was a little fiery, but uh, today will not be, you know, the same, just because it's the morning after. You look at some film, you know, you go to practice, you talk to some of the players, and... I don't know, you you breathe out just a little bit, but last night was a tough one. And uh, joining me for the first segment here is Blake Murphy. Uh, who is also in costume. play <laughs> what's going
1: on? Yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> Explain look, this costume, please. So
1: I get home from the Raptors game last night. I, I of course, watch Monday Night Raw on Sportsnet 1 and I Sportsnet 360, getting ready for the premium live event that's on Sportsnet Plus this Saturday. Yeah, and I kind of look like Kevin Owens, people tell me. So I came up with the easiest costume possible, throw some duct tape on a T-shirt, mm, and or I, I guess a sleeveless shirt, and here we are.
0: Let me go look up this Kevin Owens character to see if you look like him.
1: Yeah. No, oh, yeah. I, I don't think I look like him that much. But so. It was a it was an easy costume. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. His so his shirt is also just duct tape. Yeah, that's on a why shirt. I did it. Oh, I didn't just okay. like, gotcha. Do that for the sake of it. It's, right. it's to try to, uh, you know, fit the gimmick. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I feel. I feel,
1: WWE Crown Jewel on Sportsnet Plus on Saturday. There you go. Get yeah, your Sportsnet Plus subscription in. I have the Sports Plus subscription, but I will not be there. <laughs> well, you won't <laughs> Just, be there. It's in Saudi Arabia, but well, uh, you okay. will not be tuning it's in. still either. enough time for me to
0: get there. Uh, you never know.
1: Okay. So where we were, though, is, and, and for anyone who knows, who, who doesn't know, so when Will does the React podcast, yeah. I can hear him. I'm sit- I'm not sitting in the booth with him. Oh, you didn't go down to the post-game yesterday? I didn't because the World Series game had runners <laughs> on base and it was tight. Um, also on sports. Huh? Yeah, Yeah. Um, but, like, the thing is with postgame, like, with the tiered access system that we have right now, like, I I don't get locker room anyway. Mm. So, like, those are scrums that I just watch when I get home or or first thing in the morning or whatever. Um, And they were interesting. Uh, You were just down to practice. I'm more interested what the talking points were out of practice than last night, because like you will, Mm -hmm. everyone gets the time to sit and digest it, go over the film. I would imagine the film looks very similar. Not I imagine. I I watched it back myself. It looks very, very similar to the first three games. Uh, This one just happened to be against a very, very bad team and cold shooting met poor process. Um, Will what was the energy like at practice? We haven't had, even in the preseason, we haven't had a practice after a loss for Darko yet because their are two losses before last night yeah. came on a back to back, and you're not allowed to practice after back to back. This is the first time we got post loss Darko.
0: Yeah, um, I have to say, remarkably similar to to, to pre loss Darko or post win Darko. Let's just say, like I'm actually really happy that you know it, it, it was a fairly even keeled mood around the team. Like it, it wasn't uh, that different. Um, you know, I think they had a film session at eleven. They actually had their schedule up on the board. No no messages, by the way, today for, for Alex Wong. No, no live, laugh, love in the background. Um, they just no had their sign schedule. that
1: said, like, one win, three lessons as their Oof. as their record? Oh, man. Come
0: on. Alex, I mean, I isn't, believe, Alex isn't on screen, but he liked that one. Yeah, I can't believe uh, we're already at this point. No, but uh, no, they, they actually were pretty even-keeled about all of it, which was kind of the exact opposite of the React pod. But, like, um, you know, it's kind of the same idea, same mood. I mean, OG and... Pascal spoke in addition to Coach Darko and everyone was just sort of focused on sort of the things that they can continue to improve on and um you know it is early in the season and they will sort of go through that process. Obviously the feeling around it is a little difficult. I mean, like no matter what. I mean, I think Scotty said it after the game yesterday, this is a game that we definitely should have won. Uh, Jakob talked about sort of like, you know, if we're gonna play this system, we actually gotta play with some purpose. We can't just like, you know, point five basketball around the three point arc and never touch the paint. So there are obviously things to improve upon. But I mean, I don't I don't sense any panic. I mean, it's not I guess it's not too different than some of the post practices earlier last season, but it is at least better than like, let's say a post practice after a loss in April. Yeah. And look, man, there's a
1: lot to dissect there. Um, I think maybe we start with some of the lower hanging fruit because we knew the half court offense was going to be an issue. We didn't think like the four games that they've turned in so far have been, like, bottom of the table poor and would have been some of their very worst games last year in terms yeah. of half-court offense. They are dead last in that stat by a long shot right
0: now in, in around basketball. Wait, hold um, on. Can you give us some more context on this? Because I think I read your tweet about it yesterday after the game. Yes.
1: So, league-wide, teams averaged 984 points per 100 possessions in the half court. So we're taking out transition game because everyone scores more in transition and the Raptors run like crazy. Those points still count, but we want to evaluate the half court offense. So 98.4 was league average last year. 94.5 was where the Raptors landed last year. And that was 25th overall. So 94.5 gets you 25th overall. Their four games have gone 72, 74.7, 87.5, 75. So they have not had even one game where the half-court offense was as good as average last year when they were worse than all but the tanking teams. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you look around basketball right now, they are in that stat by far uh, last. They are averaging 77.1 right now. So again, like 17 points per hundred off of what their half-court offense was last year uh, and several points behind Portland and Chicago, who are the next worst. By the way, you just lost to two of the worst offenses in basketball. Yeah, because your offense died. I mean, like... And because your defense is good, probably. Like, in small samples, Portland and Chicago look poor because the Raptors did a good job defensively. But, like, if we're talking about winnable games, the games you really should be eager to win are the ones against
0: equally poor offenses. Well, that was also one of the talking points was, like, you know, there are some other things to clean up and improve upon defensively, which I actually think that, you know, it's definitely true when you watch it. Uh, Defensive rebounding has been an issue for this team. Especially for that second unit. Um, you Sec- know.
1: Second last in the NBA. You know who was last? Who was last? The Portland team that just had DeAndre Aiden oh. get a career-high 23 rebounds against them. Mm.
0: Unbelievable. 23
1: rebounds for DeAndre Aiden. Yeah. They are, not e- they are grabbing 68.3% on the defensive glass.
0: Yeah. and That's it, real bad. It's real bad, and it's real bad considering the fact that the Raptors, by all accounts, should be a good defensive rebounding team. Not just, like, you know, a team that, um, you know, has some issues, but, like, they have just really, really struggled in this regard. Like, this is a team full of large, tall athletes. And um, so, you know, I think the second unit in particular, that's, been, that's where the problem is more of a problem. But even with the starters, I think there is a bit of an issue. We saw some opportunities last night where uh, Darko decided to go small and finish with Gary instead of Yaakov. Dar- uh, that really uh, hurt the rebounding. But overall, I think that second unit just comes in, and I just don't understand. There was a play yesterday where the ball literally fell straight into Malachi's hands with two hands on it on the baseline, and it either slipped through his hands or he stepped out of bounds or something. But I'm like, even rebounds that bounce your way aren't being secured. So, I mean, obviously their defense has been strong, but their offense has been so bad, historically bad, that they need their defense to be historically good to bounce that out.
1: Yeah, and so I'm curious what you think about the defensive rebounding because Darko said uh, at practice that they're rim-watching a little bit and our thinking and some of what Darko expressed heading into the year was the defensive rebounding could be better. Yes, because of Jakob Pirtle's addition, but also if you're playing a less aggressive style where everyone's flying around and switching, you know, your assignment, you know, who your check is, you're not scrambling around as much guys are closer to the rim. Maybe. Um, and, and it's gone the opposite way. Some of this is just like individual attention to detail. I'm sure there's an element of, they know they need those transition buckets. So maybe a guy or two leak out a little early. What, what do you see? when you watch it back, uh, beyond just you know the the odd bad. because look, a couple bad, bad bounces, ba- sure, a couple whatever. bad bounces can affect your numbers in in just the four game sample, but you'd still be near the bottom of the league.
0: Yeah, what I consistently see is the second unit of opposing teams coming in and outworking the second unit of the Raptors team. And I'm not asking for things from these guys that they can't do, but when you're talking about boxing out, um, that's something everybody can do regardless of size. And I'm when Chicago's second unit came in. They brought in way more energy than Toronto's, and, uh, you know, they were able to crash the offensive glass. They were to the force turnovers uh, and generally interrupt Toronto's style of play. Uh, when the Philadelphia second unit came in, you know, Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, talked about there's no dogs on the team, and honestly, like, that's kind of how it felt. Like, they were able to really crash the glass against the Raptors. And then yesterday, it was the same kind of deal where some of these Portland players, which honestly, if we didn't have this conversation with Sean Hyken on the show yesterday, some of them, you know, you might not be familiar with their games but they were coming in and also working, uh, working the Raptors. And look, listen, I mean, the second unit right now, especially with some injuries to a guy like Precious who didn't practice with the team today, but, you know, was getting an individual workout, they're going to assess sort of if he's going to be fit or not. Uh, Christian Coloco obviously would be the backup center, but obviously he hasn't featured at all pretty much all summer and this season. Um, that hurts your rebounding. But, like, I think part of it, too, is just you know, these guys got to box out better. A lot of these guys, they don't have that in their games. Gary has not been a guy who boxes out and is super physical on rebounds. Same thing for Malachi. Same thing for Grady. Same thing for, you know, even McDaniels. He comes in, he's really slender as well. But whatever it is, those guys are going to play, especially with Darkos can play a 10-man rotation, and they're going to need to get on the glass more than anything else, because uh, there's just no excuse for that. That is not an ability thing. That is a focus, and that is a intensity thing.
1: And it's not as if the bench is made up of long-time vets who have secure contracts, right? Like, every guy on this team, and especially, the, like, Chris Boucher and Jaden McDaniels are fighting with each other and eventually Precious Sachua for minutes. Malachi Flynn is... You know, teetering on, does he have a role, or or do you do something else? Gary Trent Jr. obviously is a a pending free agent, and and I don't think anyone's going to look at his defensive rebounding totals because it's not what he brings to the table, but that's a good way to kickstart the transition game, too. Um, You mentioned Grady. He led the bench in defensive rebounds yesterday. He had five of them.
0: Well, Grady actually, relative to the other bench guys, I feel like has a way better game sense already.
1: It's it's All not Grady. a. There was a stretch. I think it was a Pascal and bench stretch. And I I DMed Sampson during it. Sampson yeah. Folk of Raptors Republic. I said, I, look, I I love what we're seeing from Grady. Yeah. But it's not a good sign that he is the most composed player on the floor. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um. I think that was probably towards the end of the third quarter where Grady. Was yeah. Able maybe to it was the end of the third. Yeah. Running for a, a putback after the Raptors took a bad shot and Grady was able to put it back. Then uh, Grady was able to get a steal and then Grady was able to you know attack a closeout and drive in for a layup and that's right before. Uh, he tried to dunk the ball, mm-hmm. and uh, he did get stuff. But listen, I, I actually don't mind. That, that kind of aggressiveness is good. But my point is, like, whatever it is, these guys have to really, really, you know, work on the margins. Because that's the other thing that they said was just like, look, when your offense is really struggling like this, everything else is going to be magnified, right? There's a realistic chance last night that the Raptors won that game. There's a really great chance that the Raptors could have won the Chicago game. So they're not playing, like, so badly that they can't win or they can't compete. But their offense is leaving them so little margin for error that, you know, all these secondary things, you know, like their bench, like their rebounding, you know, like uh, just even sort of how they're running the offense is really coming to play. But I think the bigger thing is just like, are we seeing enough from, you know, uh, the leaders of the team right now in terms of setting that tone for the offense? Because as much as we're playing point five, a lot of it comes down to Scotty, Pascal, Dennis. Those are the three guys who are primarily in charge of the offense. Are they doing enough to like actually create an efficient offense for the group?
1: Uh, it's a tough thing to answer because... The answer is yes, sometimes, but that's when it, co- it comes outside of this new design and this new philosophy. Um, Jakob Pertl talked uh, about, you know, their struggles with the .5 and either not creating advantage or not knowing how to take advantage of that. Um, Darko talked about, you know, hesitancy, shooting the ball in those .5 situations. The Raptors offense has looked their best against Chicago when they start, when Kobe White was on Dennis Schroeder and they started running pick and roll to get that switch onto Kobe White. There were a couple possessions. There row. OG Pascal Scotty all went to work either as a scorer or to set up teammates at a post advantages. Same thing yesterday. The two times that they looked pretty decent. I know Pascal didn't have an, uh, a great night overall, but there were stretches where he'd take it into the post, not even against a mismatch, sometimes just against Jeremy Grant. Cause Jeremy Grant's not that good a defender. Um, and, and the offense looked okay mm-hmm. in those scenarios, but the time the offense really looked good was when Scotty went into takeover mode mm. and you yeah. don't want to script 48 minutes where you need Scotty to, just take over and go one-on-one and attack. But it was another game where him kind of just flipping a switch. You know what? Yeah. The, you know what the point five decision is? I have decided 0.5 into this possession that I'm going to attack and I'm going to get something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scotty has done well. He has done great. I think Pascal is very much still figuring out where he fits in this offense. Yes. And that is a collective thing. Um, but you see a night like last night, even if you take away the 0 for 6 on threes and say, hey, he's going to hit one or two of those sometimes. Not a particularly efficient night. Only three assists again. Um, yeah, I think that's that's where my eyes are right now, and I don't think it's a Pascal-only thing, yeah. but you have to have two like offensive hubs kind of in the system because the whole idea is you know, you're know, you swinging side to side. You're moving a defense horizontally like that, and you need
0: to have someone who is a scoring threat on both sides of that. Yeah, well, I, I think for, for Pascal, I mean – he looked more aggressive yesterday. You could definitely tell there's more of a concerted effort to sort of, you know, not repeat of what happened against the Sixers where he only took eight shots. Um, you know, he definitely, you know, decided to take more of the offense into his hands. I also like the way he played in the first quarter where it was a lot of his own defense creating those transition opportunities. I thought the only time the Raptors played particularly well yesterday was in the first quarter when the starters were in. That, I think, is what is good about it. But, I mean, the rest of it, it feels like sometimes if he plays within the system, then he gets lost within the system. If he plays sort of his game, which is like the mid-range game and the isolation game, um, you know, the post-up game, then he looks really solid. But it doesn't necessarily feel like that's sort of what the the actual team offense looks like. And, of course, like this is four games. We're going to like continue to work through this. And I think there is sort of a give and take on both sides, both from the coaching side, both from Pascal's side, to sort of make it work and find something that kind of works in both sides. But I also don't mind that there are, like, two modes within that
1: offense. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody, the nobody runs the same offense for 48 minutes, yeah. right? Like, if you get yeah. a mismatch, you're NBA players. you got to attack those mismatches. Yeah. It's just just finding that right balance. And, like, I guess the the hard part is, is that the good offensive sequences have really only come from those instances. Like, yes. like even yeah, if the offense was humming... You would still be okay with Pascal taking a mismatch into the post, Scotty, one on one versus center, okay, take it to the rack. Let's forget the dribble handoff here. Um, but it's such stark contrast, yeah uh, is where
0: the the trouble comes in. But, I think. You know what's I think it's both concerning but also promising in the sense that I feel like it's kind of similar for for Scotty as well. I think what Scotty has done better than Pascal is play with more energy and more pace, and he's pushed a break like you know with much more intensity than Pascal has. Um, and that's creating a lot more offense for himself and also for the team. So that's something that Pascal needs to do better on the offensive end is to sort of even match that intensity from Scotty. The other thing, though, is like even last night I was watching it, when you said that, oh, you know, Scotty went into takeover mode, that's also him breaking the offense, and that led to better results for him and also for the rest of the team. So to me, it's like, well, there are going to be times where you can obviously as star players, you have to play free and you have to really understand where the, the shot's coming from and you got to know when you are essentially, the advantage. But I also think at the same time, like that, to me suggests that everybody sort of has this ability where they need to sort of work more and more in, into the flow of the offense. Um, the other thing I think too is that's that's a that's an overall team concern, and we knew this coming into the thing. is just, I mean, the three point shooting is just so bad. I can't believe we're we're like 16 minutes in and we're we're talking finally about the fact that there. Were, but, or four for twenty nine. Like. But like, I get that that was an, an historically bad. I think it was their worst three
1: point shooting night since two thousand seventeen, which might have been the night Miami went heavy zone against them and they mm. they bricked everything. Um,
0: I think we finished maybe in the sixties in, in points that game. Maybe yeah, 70s. it was real bad. Yeah,
1: whatever the game was. Um, but I think one of the reasons that it doesn't come up until right now is because well, what were our expectations going into the year, right? Like, it was that they're not a very good shooting team. Like, we set the bar, when we were doing over-unders and talking about where the three-point shooting would go, we set the bar fairly low. They shot 33.5% on threes last year. Like, Mm. the bar is very, very low for them to clear. They need better than that to create the spacing necessary. And this is, I guess, the one other thing with... When guys go into mismatch attack mode, which, again, is a positive, you got to be able to score, you got to take advantage of that, and it's part of the reason to have Scotty and Pascal on the floor at the same time, mm-hmm. the other guy's got to know what they're supposed to do in those scenarios as well. Um, and I know, Will, whether in the motion offense or in those situations, yeah. you haven't really loved where Jakob Pertl is fitting in in that space. And we know he's not going to space out to the three-point line, yeah. but he's got to maybe find better spots to position himself as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's the question that uh, I was able to, to, to ask Pascal down at practice uh, about it. Um, so, if we have that clip ready, actually, let's just play that clip now. Obviously, a couple of games there where I felt like, you know, we played well. We played well enough to win, but we didn't, we didn't rebound well enough. Um, possessions out there where we played good defense and just didn't finish the possession and give them second chance opportunities, sometimes even third. Um, so, it's... Oh yeah super crowded on there that you know sometimes you think about the pass that you want to make and, and and you know you hesitate instead of you know like I think Especially me and Yak, we have that good. Like you know, I can make those inside passes. He can catch well. He can finish well. So um, I think we got to be a little bit better on that. And 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 like I said, I think Yak also got to continue to keep moving. Once um, the defense is like committing, you know, or his defenders committing, just like moving, creating a little bit more space. And I got to do a better job, like probably find him for a couple of those. And then that's going to open up for me even more. But um, but yeah, I think I think we, we could do better. Yeah, um, and and that's something that I think makes a lot of sense, I think, from both sides, right? Because for me, watching the game last night in particular, when Jakob was not getting the ball in the high post and he was playing pick and roll and he was sort of rolling to the basket, every time he got to that dunker spot around the baseline there, just at the edge of the paint, it was just clogging up so much of the offense. Dennis couldn't get in for layups. Um, Scotty, actually, Scotty did the best job of this where he was able to still use his size and finish around the basket and even one time finish and end one throughout uh, with DeAndre Aden rotating over. Um That was really impressive, Um, but Pascal couldn't really get downhill with with Jakob in the way either, and so I think that's where when you watch back on the film, a lot of the times, it's usually that center, in this case, DeAndre Ayton, who's guarding um, Jakob, is sliding over and uh, making that rotation to sort of show help, Um, and that's where, again, like the Raptors, when when you talk about the Raptors' version of spacing, it's not like three-point line and stretching them out like that. It's sort of like how these bigs and sort of like – uh, flash and, and sort of reposition themselves slightly so that when the help comes, that opens that pocket pass or that little shovel pass inside. I think Dennis has done a really good job of it, finding Yakov, for example, on those passes. But those opportunities are there because Yak is actually is open, and as Pascal says, there are opportunities to catch. But that's he's got to reposition, and that's also Pascal's got to look for those passes more often.
1: So one of the other ways that we can uh, work through these offensive troubles, and it's worth noting that while we're talking about the five-man starting unit, they they do have a one sixteen point seven offensive rating as a five man unit. They've just only played forty minutes together because they don't they only play yeah. those couple minutes at, at the start of each half and it hasn't been the closing lineup. Right. Um so there is a little bit also OG missed a game. Um so you yeah, know, yeah. It, we're we're talking about a small, noisy sample, but the actual results no, for the starting though. five they together okay. have been okay. It's yeah. basically anytime. If there's even one bench player on the floor, the offensive rating drops below 100, which is just wow. and this is including transition. This isn't the stat from before where it's only half court. This is overall less than a point per possession. If even one starter is off the floor. Um, well, when you look at rotation patterns and things like that, is there something you you think they could do a little differently to better balance these groups? I, I know I just said that the starting five has been, you know, okay offensively, but do you look to get Gary in a little earlier and Dennis helping the second unit? How do, do you see any kind of rotation tweaks that that could help this beyond just, Hey, the the people have to be better.
0: Yeah. um, I think for me, it's, it's both like the, the players themselves have to come in and execute. Right. And I think um, when you're thinking about, especially for the second unit, number one, we talked about at the top, the the amount of like hustle and focus that they're bringing into this is just not enough period. Um, You cannot get out hustle. Just, Especially for those guys. But I think in, in particular, too, the way they're running the offense doesn't make sense to me. There was a play where yesterday where it was, uh, as you mentioned, some transition lineups where it was Scotty and OG on the floor with three bench guys. Yeah. And Scotty and OG were parked deep in the corners for spacing. Meanwhile, Malachi, Gary, and Chris Boucher were running some sort of three-man action in the middle of the floor with the ball to, like, try to generate the advantage. That's completely backwards. Mm-hmm. This, the, this, when the bench is in with the starters, well, number one, hopefully they're able to just execute their, their, their regular offense and run some sets and get some better looks. But clearly that's not happening. So then if you're not going to do that, then at least it should be the starters primarily uh, like ex- executing the offense. So that these other guys can then feed off of that by catching shoots. A got like Gary, for example, could really catch a shoot. I also think it's been a real struggle. Like, I, I don't want to pick on Chris, but like when you, watch it, when you watch him, for example, just count how many times he actually makes contact and gets separation mm-hmm. on a screen when he's trying to get Gary to work off ball. Gary has not really been able to get into the game at all. And, and that's partially on Gary as well. But when you're saying the play is still have him curl off of screens, who's actually out there effectively screening for him? Mm. Right? Although I will or say. who's even setting him up? Malachi's not bringing down the defense and kicking it out to, yeah. to Gary. That's not happening.
1: There are still, yes, I, I agree with most of that. I do think Gary's getting his opportunities, though. Like that elbow. He?
0: that 1-3 last night.
1: Yeah. The, oh, oh, on threes, no. He's not shooting it okay, up. Yeah. He, he's only taking 20 in four games. Yes. That's that's not enough for ostensibly your best three-point shooter um but what what i do see there is when they run those actions a little lower he's coming off the off ball curls that elbow that elbow area like free throw line height floater is there every time because so the, why is he taking it he i mean he is i think he's not shooting well okay all right
0: um
1: like he was one of six inside the arc last night
0: yeah yeah
1: his free throws are also like starting to like clank off. I mean, I yeah I, expect I mean Gary everyone's like, shooting them poorly, right? They're they're like below 70% as a team. That'll oh, that'll cool. normalize other than the the yak part of it. Other than when um, they play the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah, yeah Gary is shooting twenty percent in that three to ten foot range. Man. And zero percent in the like ten to sixteen foot it, range. And again, small samples, so yeah. a lot of noise there, but it's it's safe to say he has not shot non paint twos. Very well, and those yeah. are as much as we you know you don't want to design your offense for non paint twos if you were going to have them a pretty open elbow runner
0: is a should be a good look It does feel like and I feel like um this happens most on fast breaks where he like slows down and like has to calculate which like finish he's going into. It just doesn't feel as instinctive you know and and I think that what's important for Gary is like yes, we want him to score, but I think with the system right now, they're also relying on him to play make a little bit. Where he has to come off of these curls, and one of the reads has to be he touches the paint, draws the help, and then makes the next pass. Again, .5 offense, right? But that right now, A, that passing part has not necessarily been part of his game. Five assists in four games. Uh, Right, which is kind of in line with his career average around one a game. But also, like, his ability to finish in the paint. I mean, it's better than this, what we're seeing right now. And he'll figure this thing out, whatever it is. Um, But... You know, again, a lot of the bench scoring is contingent on him being able to make plays and make the next play off of those. So
1: yeah, he's six for eleven at the rim. That's not that's not enough, right? Like yeah. you you he shot seventy percent at the rim last year.
0: He's got to got to
1: finish a little better there. And again, I, I, we understand that these are small samples and four games and right. things like that. But there are a lot of things to pick at with this uh, this poor offense. Okay, should uh, we uh, take a break and then we're gonna pick, take a break. Dennis's brain on it.
0: We're gonna call Dennis and ask him what he thinks uh, and what he's seeing from the player's perspective. So uh, I've been your host, Willou. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers Podcast. <laughs> Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host by Blue be joined by Alex and uh Blake. I forgot to say at the top of the show that it's Halloween. This is why obviously uh we're wearing varying degrees of costume. Um Blake, you're you're definitely winning the costume uh award for the three of us, for sure. Also think of winning on just like I know
1: that you guys did the simplest thing possible, but I was pretty efficient too. Like I just wrapped my hands and put some duct tape on a shirt. Here's the thing though. Straightforward.
0: Uh, So, we're we're supposed to talk to Dennis, um, and we are working to get him on the line shortly uh, for this segment. So, stay tuned for that. But, you know, again, things happen. We adapt. Um, And I didn't want to talk to Dennis in my Alex Wong costume because he wouldn't get it, you know. Um, So, I just slipped on this jersey. We'd get an Alex who. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty good. Uh, And... So, I, I'm I'm just technically a Chinese Association of Basketball player you never heard of. Although, shouts to the Mainlander for putting this on. But, uh, what is this? You're giving me the heads, heads up? Yeah, he's, we're, oh, we're good to go. Oh, Dennis is on? All yeah. right. Never, all right. Never mind. We are not. It's okay. We're going to keep talking about the game last night and a couple yeah. of the issues. So, like I, I covered a lot of the things that I think, you know, could be improved a little bit better. I think Jakob could space a little bit better. I think Chris could screen a little bit better. I think Pascal can pick his spots a lot better in the offense. I think that uh, – you're going to have to obviously find those opportunities, but we actually do have, uh, Dennis Schroeder on the line now. Um, and, uh, yeah, Dennis just saw you at practice. Once again, we had this conversation, um, in segment one, just about, you know, how we can sort of fix what's been going on because, you know, three game losing streak, but we know you guys are better than this. So what's your assessment on sort of what's gone wrong in the last three games? I mean, uh,
3: unfortunately the, the one in Chicago, um, that was a terrible loss for us. I think uh, one of my worst losses uh, in my career. Um, but I think then we had a back-to-back, flew to Toronto. That was kind of tough. Um, got back home at like 2 or 2.30. Damn. Um, had to be ready, uh, you know, to play uh, Philly. Um, uh, lost that one as well. Uh, I think it's just uh, for us as a team to come together, to trust each other. Um we gotta trust each other. We gotta uh, move the ball a little bit more, um, and defensively, we gotta rebound. And uh, I think this, uh, are those uh, key points um, where we have to, you know, get better and look at ourselves, um, and um, yeah, just uh, try to get it done. Um,
2: Dennis, yeah.
1: when when you say you guys need to stay together, um, how how has that been? Because last time we talked to you, you know, you guys were undefeated in the preseason, won the opener, and, and you said it, Pascal said it, uh, Coach Darko said it. It's like, yep, it's really easy to have the high energy and the high vibes when all you've done is win. What does that look like after a couple losses? What has that looked like for you guys this week?
3: Yeah, I mean that's that's the most important. Uh, I think to be a leader as well. Um, it can define you, you know, if you 0 out of 20 uh, from the field or if you 10 out of 10. I think it's always got to be um, the same way. And, I mean, that's how we taken taking it. You know, we uh, got better today, um, worked on stuff, you know, watched film. Um, I mean, just staying together as a unit, enjoying the moment, um, embracing the moment. Um, because, I mean, to play in the NBA, you can't take it for granted, you know. Um, I mean, that's the best jobs in the world. And uh, we just got to have uh, the joy, you know, when we play um, a game in front of our fans. We just got to have the joy, you know, to enjoy the game, um, play together, just, you know, everybody just being confident. Um, and I think that's that's uh, the key when I talk about, you know, um, doing everything together.
0: Yeah. Well, well uh, Dennis, I think you're a really good person to ask about this because you're the point guard, you have the ball and you have the decisions to make where sometimes You're running the offense, but sometimes the offense is not working. And then sometimes you got to decide, okay, I got to go. I got to get something for my team. I got to sort of get my own bucket. I thought some of that happened last night in in the Portland game, where especially because you guys were collectively shooting the three poorly, four of 29 from the field, a couple moments where guys like Pascal, guys like Scotty were looking to sort of create more of their own offense rather than sort of like going into the system. Um, How do you find the right balance of that? Because obviously you can't always play like, that system all the time. Sometimes you really got to go, but I'm curious to hear your perspective.
3: I think we got to, first off, I mean, everybody's got to trust what coaches try to bring, you know, to this locker room and to this organization. Um, I think when everybody is buying into it um, and everybody's unselfish, uh, just at least like when somebody else got the ball to make the cut, to get the next man open, Mm. you know, and that's the mentality. I think, what we gotta have, um, of course, we need somebody like Scotty, like Pascal, you know, and who can get their own bucket as well. Because all, sometimes it's gonna be hard, you know, when we shooting poorly uh, from the three point line, that you can't give somebody the ball to, and you go ahead. We need a bucket right now, you know. Um, I think you need that, especially when it comes to, you know, March, April, and um, the the playoffs. But um, I think we still gotta trust the, the 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 system from the coach, and we gotta make sure that everybody is buying into it, and um, everybody having fun um, with that woe, and uh, everybody embracing it.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's a really good perspective, honestly, because um, for us, we're we're a little panicked. I mean, maybe not me and Blake necessarily, just me and myself. Blake is always very calm. Uh, but I, I got a little, uh, you know, emotionally invested in the games. And, you know, seeing the game last night, I'm like, we feel like we should, you know, Raptors should beat Portland. No offense to Portland. I just feel like it's a really good team, especially at home. Um, you know, I, I, is there any of that sense of panic along, like, the rest of them? Like, what's the mood in the locker room after a game like that? Where you feel like you guys should win, but you guys don't get it, and now you guys are one and three. Is there any of lingering panic at all? Or is that just us in the media and us and fans being like, we're, we're you know... Well, we're, too, we're too emotional about all of this stuff in general.
3: Our media in general, uh, you know, it's always great when you win and when you lose, it's always, yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Uh, everybody's panicking. And... So at end of the day, for yeah. us, we know in the locker room we can win games, um, mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to do. Um, of course, in a basketball game, you can't win every single game. Uh, of course, you can do the things you can control, um, and we didn't do that last night. That's the reason why we lost. But of course, we want to get better. Uh, we play Milwaukee. Um, I mean, you know, one of the best teams uh, uh, in the in the league. But we still think when we get out there and play the right way and do the stuff what we can control, we got a chance of winning a game. You know, and um, now we just got to focus on ourselves. We can't focus on you know the opponent. We got to make sure we do the stuff um, right. And play the right way, um, defend the right way, and then uh, on the offensive end, just um, you know, in transition, do what we do best. And um, if we do that, I think we're in great shape.
1: So yeah, if you the transition's been been pretty good, you guys are obviously a very good defense. That that's been obvious in all four games here. Um, when it comes to the that half court offense, when. I guess last time we talked to you, you hadn't really done a film session with Coach Darko yet or not a a regular season one. Um, Can you can you give us a little insight into, you know, this is Darko's first time as a head coach at the NBA level. Uh, What have those film sessions been like early on? And are you seeing opportunities within that offense where, hey, if we had that back, we had something here. Um, There's just not that familiarity yet to take it, take full advantage of it
3: yeah i think he uh is embracing or not sorry he is like showing everybody what it should look like and um when we when he's not doing the right way and we try to you know everybody try to make something happen then um it's not looking really uh Mm. well and i think he is uh just pointing out or dennis you couldn't you know here you have this guy open you should have passed that one you know and um teaching people to lift our group up and i think that's the most important he's not just pointing a finger and saying oh yeah uh dennis you gotta do this or you know he's tried to lift everybody up in this locker room and i think that's what film is about um just to see everybody you know um getting better from a from from film instead of Oh, yeah, it was your fault and you mm-hmm. got to make sure you, you know, make shots. And um, I think uh, he's doing a great job of that, uh, making sure everybody's still confident. And he said, uh, too, um, when the film started, he was like, listen, um, if you if we make three, four five more threes, you know, um, what we capable of winning mm-hmm. the game. And uh, then of, offensive rebounds, if we control three, four five of them, what we can control. Yep. Uh, we went in the game also. So, I mean, he was still optimistic about everything. And uh, I think we, um, he caught the group. Everybody was still positive about it, had a good practice. And um, we got another chance uh, to go out tomorrow and uh, win a game.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Dennis, I, I got to ask you about, you know, you brought up the, the point about, you know, you-, you might've missed a read here or there, but I mean, come on, you- you're fifth in the NBA right now in assists per game right now. You're at a career high 8.8 per game. Just above uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, I think people might have heard about him. Um, No, but seriously, you've really come into the team and and, and really taken charge, and and you're really uh, developing more and more chemistry with the guys. I I notice uh, the rest of your teammates, they got to get ready for how you pass because you you don't just make kind of one kind of pass. It's not the same. You you usually kind of spice it up. I noticed you pointed
1: out the behind-the-back pocket pass last night.
0: A little wrap around around the defender to to Jakob as well. So you find different angles. So I, I guess, sort of, how are you sort of finding uh, opportunities to communicate that to your teammates because they got to get ready to, to catch the ball at any time.
3: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not every time the same pass. You know, yeah. uh, sometimes you got to read the defense. And uh, I mean, the between the legs pass—that's kind of my signature now. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it a lot in the summer. Um, love that pass and it's um, still you know not a risky pass for me um, and me and Yak you know creating that chemistry right now um, off the pick and roll um, I think it's really really uh, tough to stop with me and uh, Yak in it but especially I mean with Scottie, uh the kicker heads with OG mm-hmm. Siakam uh, helps me a lot you know with them assist as well but I think that's what our play style got to be at. You know, we got to mm-hmm. get stops and then when we get stops or we get the rebound, we just got to play fast. And um, I think that's what we're at our best and um, I think that's what we got to do more of. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, try to find my teammates as well, try to give them a good feeling. Uh, as a point guard, you know, you just try to take charge there uh, that everybody's feeling well and, you um, I mean, I just try to embrace that role as well.
0: Right. Um, so, I, you know, talking about practice, notice a couple of things. So, number one, we talked about the first time you were on last week. Uh, you guys have that drill that you guys, uh, I think you said Westbrook brought it over. It was you, mm-hmm. uh, PG, R- Russ, and uh, Raymond Felton. Shout out Raymond Felton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, so you're doing this, this post-game uh, or post-practice shooting drill. And like, I don't want to. I'm not. Maybe I won't name specific names, but I I, I might have heard some dollar amounts being thrown around. Cause you know I'm right beside you guys, so I I hear some of this stuff. So can I ask you, like, is, is there are there times where where money is on the line in some of these drills? Who said that? I, I, uh, you know, you want me to say out loud? Okay, it, it wasn't you. Uh, it was someone you were competing with, <laughs> a, a veteran on the team, a long time veteran. You know.
3: Man. I don't know, man. I just try to, you know, win every single uh, drill I'm uh-huh. uh, or competing against. You know, I just try to uh, make sure I win the, the the shooting battle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, listen, but- you you were leading, you were leading before you guys got called into a meeting. I feel like so. I don't know if you you, you were able to finish that.
3: I finished it still. I won. Okay. Uh, I won
0: today. Good, 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 good. Well, I mean, listen, you know, I think people just also kind of like to talk to. What was that meeting also? Not not to get, like, all up in your business, but I was there, and, and, and Darko called a bunch of you guys over into uh, his office. Uh, I thought at first it might just be the starters, but it was you, Scotty, Pascal, uh, OG, Thad, and Garrett. So, I mean, unless it's, like, some sort of super sensitive meeting that you don't want to talk about, but I, I'm curious, like, how often do you guys kind of meet, and, and what is that meeting?
3: Man, Darko, you got to know one thing about Darko. Darko likes to talk. Okay. He loves yeah. to have people, you know, and his teammates, his coaches on the same page. So, end of the day, he is um, bringing everybody together. He came in and he said, um, guys, do you want to have shoot-arounds in the arena or do you want to have shoot-arounds in uh, oh, your okay. okay? So That's it. A- um um, so that was uh, that meeting about, but he really loves to encourage everybody and make sure everybody's on the same page. And, um, you know, he he um, not worries, but he really want to have the opinion from everybody else as mm, well. I got you. He don't want to make decisions for himself. Like he always, you know, brings his players, brings his coaches, you know, front office making sure everybody's on the same page and everybody you know got the same voice
0: got you wow i thought it would be more exciting than where you guys going to do shoot around i'm not gonna lie
1: how how (laughs) is that though i know you i know you guys have done a shoot around at Scotiabank arena now and one at ovo i i guess ovo probably has more you know facilities and things like that it's maybe a shorter drive for some of you but it's not like the point of shoot around is often to like get your sight lines in and get a feel for the arena how do you feel about the the back like which which you prefer
3: I mean, I never, I never uh, in my career had shoot-arounds at the arena.
1: Okay. Mm.
3: Okay. So, I mean, for me, I I told everybody I don't have no problem of driving to to the arena. Mm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we got a great facility here. We got people who is, you know, in the stay-ready group who is uh, competing five-on-five after practice. And we got a nice gym here. You know, we got... Chef here after um, after shoot arounds. Um, it's more convenient over here, uh, mm. but I told everybody it's, it's not a. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Oh, uh, but I said it's it's not a uh, a big deal for me to drive to um, the arena. All right,
0: uh, I I got yeah. three questions for you. Uh, just about sort of, I guess, uh, off the court, at least not, not necessarily a uh, perspective, and then we'll let you go. Um, we'll start with something, you know, that we continued to talk about last week. Uh, your celebration, you know, the freeze. you telling me Mbappe and Hakimi are hitting the freeze now? Like, what's going on? You, you global. That's global.
3: No, no, no. They, 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 Hakimi just um, uh, DM'd me. And uh, oh, wow. he sent me that picture, you know. And uh, I was really... I'm a big fan of Hakimi and... Yeah. Um, i mean um it was insane he was like you're here the freeze and then he sent me that picture wow. with MIP and i was like wow i mean it's crazy how you know the lakers like everybody watched the lakers yeah, sure. last year i worked uh, on that team and uh we created you know like the the culture i mean i still see you know the the lakers players mm. still hitting the freeze everybody on the bench still get excited now we're doing it here in toronto as well yep, yep. so I mean, it's 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 great that everybody is, you know, kind of seeing it. Um, I think Braun hit a big three uh, last night, and he hit the freeze at the end. Um, wow. So I mean, Hakimi, one of the best, you know, uh, right backs in uh, in uh, soccer right now. Uh, Mbappe, everybody knows Mbappe. Yeah. Um, so uh, no, this is it's, uh, it's great to see.
0: I mean, you got LeBron and Mbappe, like, literally, like, two of the top five athletes in the world. Like, in terms of most famous or whatever hitting it, that, that's, that's wild. Um, you got a big game coming out this weekend? Uh, I feel like it's actually prime time slot. Raptors versus San Antonio. Um, it's going to be really great for a lot of European fans to tune in. Obviously, everyone wants to watch Wemby, but especially, obviously, from France. And then everyone will watch you, too. So, I, I guess, what are your early thoughts on, on Wemby? What are you looking forward to in that matchup? Like, how are you going to get a shot up against Wemby, man? <laughs>
3: I mean I got to figure that out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he's um I mean they don't call him for no reason the, the alien. You know, uh, he's tall, can dribble, shoot it. I mean, he has IQ, you know, um basketball IQ. Uh plays defense and offense, you know, and um I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I never seen him, you know, in person um playing against him, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. Um, I think that uh, for European guys, it's always great, you know, to at like one or two, uh, especially on a Sunday where do- people don't go to work Yeah. Um, sure. to see a basketball game. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I had to stay up until t- t- like one or two in the morning yeah. to watch a basketball game. So, I mean, I'm really excited for people, you know, who can watch the game and support. And uh, I think it's going to be a-, a great one.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's like uh, us here. I'm sure you've already experienced it, but you got to wake up early to watch, like, Premier League or Bundesliga or anything like that, right? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to these 7.30 a.m. Uh, Saturday wake-ups. All right, last one, because we got to wrap up here. Uh, I want to get into the conversation about um, Coach Livu Kalen, right? I read a great story about sort of your connection with him, and we've, we've run out of time. We can't talk about this now. We can talk about it in future weeks. But I just want to ask you one quote since we're on this international tip. Uh, he did have a, a quote to uh, my friend Oren in in uh, at Yahoo, and he said, "Dennis is to German basketball what Messi is like to Argentina football." What? what Who are your, said that? Uh, your Levu Levu L I V I U. Yeah, Kalin. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Wow. I mean, first off, uh, shout out to Messi winning in mm. his eighth, you know, Ballon d'Or yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that's that's big time. Um, but I mean national team for me to represent my country um germany is uh first off you know a big honor um to be the captain uh the last two years and then winning you know uh the bronze medal at the european championship and then now go to the world cup um it's amazing and it never happened before of course we wrote history as a team um but uh you can't. I you're not messy. Take a death far. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: that's a different level. Would, that's a different level.
3: I wouldn't. I wouldn't take it that far.
0: <laughs> all right, Dennis. I appreciate you for your time. Um no way. and And uh, yeah, go go cop the t-shirts too. I, I know you dropped a whole bunch of uh, uh, you know, Team Germany t-shirts as well. So.
3: Yes, yeah, sir. I just dropped. So.
0: All right, Dennis. Speak soon. All right.
3: All right. Thank you very much, guys.
0: That was Dennis Schroeder. Uh, like we mentioned last week, we're gonna have him on like very regularly. So we'll have more time to talk about it. But the the backstory there with the coach is um essentially this coach discovered Dennis playing street ball at the age of nine. Yeah. And got him into organized basketball and obviously got him to this point today. So I'm sure there's lots of interesting stories about I mean, what's what street ball looked like in that kind of moment and you know, what he was doing and sort of all the the, the uh the work that uh, the coaches have done to, to get him to this point. But it's also just great to talk to Dennis about the, the problems of the team. I do feel a little bit better about things in general. Yeah.
1: I mean, they can't
0: react way too same... up and down, man. I'm like, sorry. Yeah, they can't. I'm sorry to the audience.
1: The thing is like they can't react like that right like yeah you're right like we can fans can it's an entertainment product you're heavily invested but they can't right like yeah. they would lose the yeah. plot like today's practice day would be not a very fruitful one I think if they came in still very very emotional from the loss last right. night as much as we want athletes to care and they certainly no, they do f- fully care they have, care have more than all of you us you have yeah. to be able that term that people the, that athletes always use a flush it like you, you have to be able to do that yeah. and turn the page quickly because guess what it's Milwaukee and Philly on a back to back tomorrow yep. and you are going to get steamrolled if you're still thinking about right. mistakes you made against portland and kicking yourself for those so um i i am sorry though will that it was a little bit of a a little bit of a letdown that your your big question about the the leadership council was just like ah where do you guys want to shoot around
0: <laughs> yeah uh, the context of this i'm like i come out and practice I'm like oh man just just saw, I got the scoop i got this scoop you know all these vets going into the the, the 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 room with darko and i wonder what it could be and he's like yeah man they want to figure out what they you want to do shoot around. You know what, Darko? That could have been an email. <laughs> that could have been an email. That could have been a group text. Um, no, but, okay. no, but seriously, the vibe and the mood is still very high. Like, I know that we're obviously very annoyed and disappointed, but the mood is high. What's Since up? we're close to break, I have a soccer follow-up for you. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: Hakimi and Mbappe are PSG. Yes. Is that Dennis's team, or would he root for a Bundesliga team? Do we uh, know?
0: Uh, we can ask him next week. Okay. But my prediction, uh, on if I want to put it down um, – PSG doesn't really have, like, a big fan base that, I mean, that's not true. They have, like, you know, their usual ultras and all that kind of stuff. That's not to say people don't support them, but it's a bit of, like, a club where, like, because they keep getting huge stars, like, you know, Messi, uh, Neymar, and Mbappe played for them, like, recently, like, two seasons ago or last year. Um, they got a lot of casuals to join their team, especially because they got sick Jordan gear as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I really much doubt he's a PSG. So the Lakers. Huge fan. Uh, yeah, you know what? The, you know, the difference is the Lakers have lots of championships and PSG doesn't. Mm. So oh, they haven't, they haven't turned all this money into victories. No, no. They're just like a, a, a team that gets a lot of support, um, especially with, like, you know, marketing-wise. Like, Beckham played for them. You know, like, lots of – lot to played for them, guys like that. But, um, no, they have not won the big championship.
1: Refresh me. You're Man U?
0: Oh, that's disgusting. Or Man City. That's all. Oh, oh man, both of those are You're horrible. Liverpool. <laughs> I'm a Liverpool supporter. Yeah, I, get like, I get I get mixed up. I see oh. tweets of you guys. Oh, I did not expect that. People, people, Gerard, it's a Why do we have to run the, run the whole clip? The Why do we got to run the whole clip? Yeah, that's uh, that's the Kawhi shot, but for the Sixer fans. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that, man. It yeah. is Liverpool, though, right? It is Liverpool, okay. for the record. But honestly, bro, he's got LeBron and Mbappe hitting the, his celebration. That's 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 unbelievable. Damon Jones's influence is
1: uh, on the NBA, just remarkable, and on and on professional football yeah. now. Because that's the story in that Dan Wykey piece. Yeah. Um, the card game. It was Damon Jones who first started doing the like.
0: You think you got the hand? No, freeze. You know what? Maybe Damon Jones got to get more credit for these. But anyway, we're gonna take a quick break. I've been your host, Will Lou. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. When we come back, let's talk about the James Harden trade.
1: Breaking down the
2: top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sports and Radio Network. I'm your host, Will Lou. Continue to be joined by co host Blake Murphy. And uh, yeah, we got to recap this James Harden trade uh, that just took place overnight. So uh, we'll be, we're going to bring in uh, Howard Beck from The Ringer. Howard Beck, how are you doing?
1: Doing well, guys. How are you? I'm good, man. I got to ask, I know James Harden is the topic of the day, but I also know you're a Gaslight Anthem guy. They have a new album, and I saw you were at the show the other day. Uh, How was it? How'd you enjoy it?
4: Uh, The show was fantastic, thank you. Third time I've seen them. First time I've actually seen them in New Jersey, the homeland of the Gaslight Anthem. So it was a whole different vibe because the the crowd there was like super into it. Not that they haven't been in other places too, but uh, basically everybody in in the place knew every word. So uh, it was very cool. Great show.
1: Yeah, always great to uh, to see them. I saw them here a couple summers ago. Uh, So last night, uh, not a concert, a big giant trade that I personally did not find out about until this morning because I was not up at 3 a.m. and I have learned to turn. The Clippers got to stop doing that. All right.
0: I understand you're on the West Coast, but please. (laughs) It's their thing.
1: Please. The the Kawhi to the Raptors trade woke me up at like 545 in the morning. I'm not not getting up this Wo- I-, I looked quickly, and it's like, okay, Raptor's not involved. I can go back to sleep and find out in the morning. Uh, Howard, what was your, your kind of quick reaction to it uh, before we get into some of the specifics? You see this come down uh, either late last night or this morning. What was your initial reaction?
4: Yeah, I saw it this morning. I was asleep. Um, <laughs> um, I'm ha- happily missing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, a little bit of a stunner to wake up to and at the same time should not be a stunner at all. Uh, the noise a couple days ago about all oh, the Clippers have kind of put a pause on things. They're moving. Uh, Give me a break. Like Nobody's ever actually moving on in this league. They just didn't have the agreement they needed yet and or the, the right pieces uh, in place. And so it was always going to be a question of could Daryl Morey and Lawrence Frank, the respective executives in play here, find the deal that works for all parties. And if it wasn't going to be built around Terrence Mann, who will go down (laughs) as one of the stranger holdups in a trade of this magnitude that we've seen in NBA history, if it wasn't going to be him, then what were the other pieces that could be involved that would satisfy the Sixers? And so, uh, you know, we saw the results. And, you know, obviously the Clippers got their guy, and the Sixers got, I think, a, a, a decent package under the circumstances back.
1: Yeah, so the Sixers, you know, this is a package where, yes, they're getting some veteran depth. I don't know how much, you know, some of these guys are going to play. I it's not the Robert Covington of old at this point, but he's a useful piece. Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, guys who can chip in, but to me this strikes me as yes, those are helpful, but the draft capital that they picked up an unprotected future first, uh, another protected first that L- that the Clippers had to go to Oklahoma city be like, yo, could we give you an unprotected pick swap so we can free this pickup to include in the trade? Um, to me, this strikes me as one Philly wanted to not take on any long-term contracts to make sure their books are clear for this summer a- as they've been set up to be. Um, but two, it- it's, You know, maybe we can't evaluate this until we see what Philly does between now and February with that extra draft capital. Um, Is that your feel on it from the Philly side? Or do you think they made it okay regardless of when and where they use those picks?
4: There are trades where, you know, on the day it's made, or you think, you know, anyway, based on the fundamentals of the trade, did you get the right value for the player, especially a player of, of Harden's magnitude that you just sent out. There are other trades, and this falls more in that category, where it's only a little bit about what you actually got back, and then the rest of it is about what are you, what is the next step, right? The Sixers, this is a two-step process for them. And Daryl Morty had made it clear, both publicly and privately, I think, that if he couldn't get a star back for his star, James Harden, then he at least wanted to get back the kinds of assets that he could parlay into another star at some point. Uh, Nice luxury to have in the meantime that Tyrese Maxey is blossoming into a star before our eyes. And so the Sixers can feel pretty confident that they can, you know, be patient now and opportunistic about the next move. But they have set themselves up for the next move. And so that's where you say this is a success for the Sixers. Getting the two picks and the pick swap in addition to some other movable pieces, some of the other players, whether they play them, whether they repackage them, they have set themselves up to make another big deal. Maybe that's before the February trade deadline. Maybe it's uh, closer to the draft. Maybe they just let everybody come off the books and have an incredible amount of cap room next summer. And the attraction of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey as the core that a lot of guys would want to play with those guys. So I think the Sixers, again, put aside whether or not they actually got value, the kind of value you want for James Harden. They came out of this very well. They have set themselves up very well.
0: Yeah. So in that intermediary period, I guess, because they are playing really well. We just saw them come into Toronto and they were able to, you know, put away the Raptors, whatever. The Raptors are going to see them again, actually, later this week. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of what they would be looking back, like, you know, what kind of players would kind of really fit into that slot? Because I think even from Toronto's perspective, you have to at least be curious a little bit, right? Because... If they're going to be making moves for in free agency, you know, Pascal and OG are going to free agency. I tell um, you, the rights Ricky Sanchez guys were hitting me up asking uh, OG oh, asking they're already offering? right
1: away. Yeah, Sixers fans are, are swarming here, man.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's I am really curious because obviously Embiid is so good and obviously Maxi is taking a jump in real time. I, mean, he's, I think he's averaging over 30 a, a game this season. Um, maybe they just get pieces right now because you don't want to throw away a year right now. Yeah,
4: it's interesting. You know, we we are all kind of firmly in this, we're in an era of and a mindset collectively of every year that you don't win a championship or in a position to win a championship with a player of Joel Embiid's calendar, we say, oh, wasted year, wasted year. Well, you got to take the long view here. And I know that every year of Joel Embiid's career, the older he gets, the less of that long view you have to work with. But I mean, if going all in on, well, we've got to make the most of this year meant trading a bunch of those assets just to get, say, Jeremy Grant, right? Good player, uh, huge contract, going to to hurt your cap in the future. Is that the right play? Is he actually going to put you in position to knock out Boston and Milwaukee in the spring, or are you better off waiting and seeing if a Donovan Mitchell comes available next summer just as an example i'm not saying he will yeah. and i'm not saying he's the right move but there are players who the whole league is keeping their eye on of a certain caliber who the sixers could be in the running for if they uh are patient about this so no i, I don't think necessarily and i'm I, I'm pretty sure the sixers don't think this way they're not looking to say well we've got to make the most out of this season and make all the moves right now uh, those moves might not leapfrog them over boston and and milwaukee anyway and by the way in the meantime again if tyrese maxi is this guy yeah consistently and he's not just an all-star but maybe even in the all nba discussion in today's nba you don't need a super team you don't need three or four superstars Mm. you need two and sometimes you don't even need two we've seen several teams over the last few years win with really only one certified star and that includes the team that just won the denver nuggets
1: so yeah and, and that's crossed my mind as well if maxi is that guy maybe all that cap space is targeted more the high-end role players who complement those guys well uh the toronto raptors happen to have one uh we can visit that closer to the deadline and one or three and we're ready to sell apparently. yeah no, um the other side of this yeah. is a clippers team that is now structured Howard with a lot of star power. Now, a lot of star power that if you looked at this roster in 2017, 2018, you would fall out of your chair. Um, Russell Westbrook, still a capable guy, but not the Russell Westbrook of old. He's with James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, three of those guys who have never won a championship. For the Clippers, was this as simple as, hey, if you can make this deal without dropping Terrence Mann or Norman Powell in there, whatever, get this guy in because the window's closing for all of these guys maybe.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, the Clippers have a a clear urgency here. They're moving into a new arena next year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are potential free agents next summer. There are age issues. There are injury issues. There are – we've had these guys together for four years and gotten nothing out of it (laughs) issues, right? So you are doing everything possible as the Clippers right now to – see if you can strike gold maybe a little magic happens along the way maybe you get lucky and yeah you've got four guys who have been among the best in the nba for the last decade and you know they're getting long in the tooth and you know it's this is this has the look of a super team without actually being what i would classify as a super team because Mm -hmm. of harden and, and russell westbrook's age and miles and everything else and i'm not sold on it personally But clearly the Clippers are. And I do know that Teron Liu for the last couple of years has really wanted a high level playmaker to put next to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to not have those guys have to do so much ball handling and playmaking themselves. And so now you've got two guys who have been among the best assist guys in the NBA over the last decade in Westbrook and Harden. um, And they have a track record together, too. Now that track record is mixed they were really good together at times and didn't didn't really want much to do with each other. I think toward the end in Houston. So, and it's the third time they're (laughs) together um, on a team. So it's all a little weird. And I do think, you know, there's going to be a feel out period there where Harden has to get used to a role where the majority of the offense is being carried by George and Leonard Uh, Harden and Westbrook are going to have to get used to an arrangement where neither one of them is a full-time starting point guard. How's that going to work out? How often do they play together? Are they Mm -hmm. starting games together? Are they finishing games together? Who's handling the ball? As we know, Russ is not good off the ball because he can't shoot. Harden is good off the ball and can shoot, but even when he had Chris Paul as his uh, co-star, it wasn't always comfortable for him to give up that much control. Is it different now at age 34? These are among the many, (laughs) many questions I have.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think even just most simply here, like can these four play together together? You know, and, and is that sort of an amplifying effect if they do play together? I mean, because I, again, like you're not making this trade to bring someone off the bench. I mean, maybe you bring Russell off the bench, I suppose. But
1: yeah, and that'll figure itself out. Like that's more of a playoff question for me. Like they got to get there, and this will really help with that. But I, I think the Harden fit with Paul George and Kawhi is is pretty nice. Like obviously, you still have some concerns elsewhere in the rotation, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, as far as star player goes, our star players go are two of the best shooters in the league as well. Like Paul George has settled in around 38, 39% consistently. I think Kawhi shot over 40% on threes last year. Um, Those guys, you know, obviously you want to leverage their star power, but them being off the ball a little bit as Harden orchestrates, that's more shooting and and scoring ability than Harden's played with uh, really. So um, obviously that didn't work when you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving around him, but this Set up is, I think, a little more stout defensively since you can put George and Kawhi Leonard in in some flexible spots. Um, Howard, how do you see the fit? Not even just in terms of how it's going to look, but is is this enough to put the Clippers kind of in that top tier in the Western Conference, taking a bite at the heels of the Denver Nuggets?
4: I've, you know, look, the, the Nuggets deserve to be slotted number one until further notice. And then there's this group of teams that even before the season started, I thought there's maybe four or five teams that are hovering in that second tier who given, you know, good health and some good fortune might have a chance to knock off the Nuggets. And that's the Suns, that's the warriors. And it's the two LA teams. And then maybe the Sacramento Kings. um, I'm, you know, waiting to see if they, if they've figured out how to be a better defensive team, but that's kind of the top six. And so I already considered the Clippers a likely top six team. This trade doesn't change that. It makes them stronger. It makes them deeper, um, and, and I think it's it's overall a, a good move if they can answer all the questions we discussed earlier. But I don't know that it's elevated them to to that point where you go, oh, they're now the absolute number two in the West or the biggest threat to Denver. I'm not sure about mm. that. Right? I I don't I don't know which among those teams—Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers, whoever else—are the biggest threat to Denver. Um, they're all in the mix. They're all worth watching. They all deserve to be discussed as. Uh, you know, (laughs) contender-ish, I guess. Um, But as is always the case with the Clippers in particular, we're waiting to see how many games are are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George actually available for? Are they going to stay healthy? Will they be uh, healthy and at their peak still in the spring when they need them most? Um, But look, on balance... I, 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 Harden does strengthen them, right? I, I, I think having an elite playmaker alongside those two guys is the right move. I would feel better about it almost if they didn't have Russell Westbrook. I think it's almost one ball handler too many now, one star too many, but who knows? Uh, I mean, everybody, you know, might figure out how to be comfortable in their roles in this arrangement and it'll be just fine. But, um, it's, it, I, there's still a lot of remains to be seen, but I'm intrigued to see what that looks like.
0: Yeah. A small part of it really does want to see PJ Tucker play center with that those four and and just give it like a little a remix of that that Houston Rockets team, which I mean featured a lot of yeah the Houston Rockets, uh, but with
1: good players.
0: Uh, yeah, actually, I think that that is uh, that is how they're going to sell it because that would be really interesting. Obviously, they can play with Zubac as well, um, but I mean, man, like, it's just just thinking back on it, the fact that all four of these guys were like all NBA players as recently as like 2019, and two of them still are at that quality. It is kind of absurd. You
1: the, know? the Russ and Hart, Harden pairing being back together is, is so third amusing to me. And, and I guess, so I, I said it before, three yeah. of these four have not won a championship. And, and a right. team with Russ and Harden on it, given what's happened to them in the playoffs, I think... That's a natural pivot point to talk about the in-season tournament because maybe they can hang that banner Aww. in the new Clippers uh, <laughs> in the new Clippers uh, arena. Yep. Um, Howard, I did want to pivot to that tournament. It starts Friday. It takes place over most of the course of November and then the the knockout stage into December a little bit. Um, obviously, the league is trying to put a lot of marketing muscle behind this. Michael Imperioli in a commercial. New courts for everyone. Um, what is your sense of? whether teams and, and the players themselves are are buying it and are, are going to be as invested as the NBA itself is.
4: Um, I'm going to try to be careful here not to inflame some of my friends <laughs> at the NBA who I've inflamed several times on this topic already. I'm trying to be nice, I'm trying to keep an open mind. I Listen, I don't, I don't suspect that players, if you gave them all truth serum and coaches the same, GMs the same, are really that excited about it. Like it's Mm -hmm. nice. Okay. There's something else to win. It's fun. It's different. It lends a different kind of, of uh, feel to the early part of the season. And everybody agrees. I think that the early part of the season needed to be injected with a little bit more juice. Uh, People like winning things, right? More money for the players, Mm -hmm. uh, a different trophy that you can put up a, a banner. If you want to, I guess too, it's fine. Does it mean that much in the end? You know, you just made the joke and uh, credit to you. That is the first time Mm -hmm. I have actually heard anybody get that joke on the record. And there will be many more of them probably like the, well, you can't win the championship, but at least you won the thing that they do in December, that that (laughs) NBA cup thing. Um, I, I don't suspect that that's the greatest consolation prize. If you're a team with actual championship aspirations, winning the NBA cup or whatever they're calling it, is not going to satisfy you or make you feel any better about your season. And it will be long forgotten by the time they crown the actual champion in June. But it's something else to talk about. The The, the courts, I saw mixed reactions on, on social media. The courts, I, I think they look kind of cool. Yeah. A lot of people were, were kind of down on them. It is a little strange that the Knicks are emphasizing the orange of their orange and blue so much, given that, as people have pointed out, the basketball is orange? Is the basketball just going to disappear on the Knicks court? I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll you got to play with soon. a different
0: colored basketball too, you know? you got to make it look distinctive and different. It can't just be uh, Knicks, Nets. In, in in november it's got to be maybe with a there's going to be a new colored a new ball. ball that there we don't be. know about there yeah this, be, like actually.
1: there is a there are Adam a lot Soar, of grays on, and blacks does. on courts as well
0: yeah 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 let's get a white basketball or something you know just anything to spice up the game you know how about the the neon green one that they used like yeah, i think sure. during
4: the uh, three-point shooting yeah. competition. oh yeah one the one little point, sprite you know
0: honestly honestly sure. at this point we're gonna Mountain get to whatever it was yeah it's starry i think it was starry actually but like starry um, yeah, we just gotta like just market everything within the game. You know what I mean? And obviously, the basketball is already sponsored. They're not gonna actually do that, but
1: that's you know. why I'm I'm honestly surprised that the cup doesn't have a name yet, as far as we know, Howard. It's gonna get a sponsor. It will.
0: Uh, it probably
4: will. I I, I thought it sh- if you're doing this, you should just make it the David Stern Cup. Like, why not? Like, mm-hmm. you know. Right. um But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's they're they're holding that one open for um,
0: sponsor to be named later. I think David Stern, uh, you know, rest his soul. Uh, reached up from the grave and told Adam, uh, do not do that. This is not the way to remember me. Yeah, dress code, dress code. Keep my name out your tournament.
1: <laughs> dress code is enforced for yeah. tournament games only. Yeah. If you're sitting out, um, <laughs> Howard, uh, before we let you go here, we've got Wemby, or no, not coming into town. Toronto's in San yes, Antonio gonna, gonna, on Sunday, but we'll get a look at him. Obviously, he'll be here later in the year. Uh, I know you guys have podcasted about it uh, a couple times over at The Ringer. What are your initial impressions uh, of Victor wemby And And uh, yeah, how excited should we be for Sunday?
4: I mean, pretty damn excited, frankly. I mean, I, I every time he's on now, I find myself, no matter what else is on, mm. I find myself wanting to, to flip to that game. Um, he's must watch TV and yeah, the early results in the regular season have been mixed, but we saw like some absolutely spectacular highlights in the preseason, just his range, uh, his reach, uh, the things he can pull off the areas of the space he can, he can fill multiple space. It's like, he's everywhere at once, right? He's on the baseline, but he's also at the top of the key and he's at the three point line, all in the same defensive sequence within like a point two seconds or something is what it feels like. Um, that is worth watching and they're not featuring him a ton, right? They're not force feeding him, which I think is actually healthy. It's good that the Spurs actually have some very competent offensive players. You know, it's not a complete team by any stretch and they're not ready to make the playoffs by any stretch, but when you're the number one, overall pick, you're usually going to a team that is just barren of of talent. And this team has some talent and offensive talent guys who can handle and, and uh, you can run plays for. So you don't have to make it all about him, wear him out or put too much of the defense's uh, attention on him and make him such a target. So I think it's nice. I think, I think the Spurs, you know, they don't need me to tell them this. I think they're doing this the right way, kind of keeping, you can't ratchet down the pressure and the hype for a guy of this magnitude, but you can try to ease the burden on him a little bit, night in night out. And I think that's what they're doing. And yet still there are going to be some eye popping plays along the way because that's just going to come naturally to him based on, on his
0: size and skill set. Yeah, I definitely very much relate to what you said about any time the Spurs are playing, you're just like, I'm like, yeah, you know what, Spurs Rockets. Which, by the way, can they play a team other than the Rockets? I've seen a, I feel Like, they, I've seen Spurs. They Rockets played a the Clippers times. on Sunday. They lost by like 40, and I watched almost
1: the entire thing until Wemby came out for good at the end.
0: But you, you, you almost have to watch it. It's like an emerging band, and you're like there for like the first couple of like you know like I don't know, Gaslight Anthem is all you guys. It's like the first Gaslight Anthem, you know album i'm sure. trying to, i'm trying to fit in with you guys yeah i'm sorry <laughs> but no seriously it, it's it's uh it, it's been it's been fun honestly the amount of coverage um are we gonna see like a heat index version you know <laughs> like can we get the heat index but the spurs index for for Wemby? because honestly there's that level of interest for me i actually want to know everything there is ab- about what he's doing
4: there were like 200 reporters 200 media members on uh opening night at, at uh for the spurs and i Look, I, I don't think that's going to be the norm, but I think we're going to see, you know, yeah. like certainly like I'm based in New York when the Spurs come to New York, I think next week to play at the garden and then they'll be back again to play Brooklyn. Like those, yeah. those games, the games in LA, uh, the games up your way um, are going to be pretty chaotic um, to say the least. Uh, Cause there's going to be a lot of us, a lot of us and, 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 and justifiably so. You don't see a, a talent come along like this very often, and um, I you know the, the the whole basketball world just can't see wait to see what he does. There
0: you go. All right, Howard. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. All right. Good to see you guys. Thank you. All right. Yeah. No. Seriously, the Wemby thing. I mean, um, it's it's making you appreciate more what the Spurs have. <laughs> I mean, it's like I mean I know you're like a diehard like you know blog boy like you know an NBA nerd whatever you want to call it. like you already were familiar with like jeremy sohan and like um you know and and he has different hair colors and he shoots free throws with one hand and he's this like big point guard who doesn't really play like a regular point guard or like you know zach collins maybe low-key underrated you know a little bit of a stretch not by paycheck anymore not by paycheck anymore but you know looks cool with the headband on you know like uh can stretch it out but also maybe uh you know, Dunkin' a couple of times and you know, obviously Devin Vassell is I mean, Devin Vassell Cell is shooting the cover off the Yeah. Wall. I mean, I think he's, he's the excellent. guy
1: that as people tune into this team They're that like, that haven't good. checked out he's the Spurs great. in a couple of years are are going to be
0: pretty blown away by
1: it, At both ends of the floor.
0: Yeah. But I mean I, I do think for like the general audience who haven't tuned into a Spurs game since like, you know, Tim Duncan, Manu and and, and Tony Parker retired. I guess after Kawhi also got traded too. Mm-hmm. It's like they've just been in the wilderness for a while and like now people are really Honestly, one player really does change your whole franchise like that. And now, thinking back, I'm like, you know what, what? What could the Raptors have gotten up to in odds for this 1B sweepstakes? Because like, even like a ten percent chance at this would have been sick.
1: Yeah, they they waited too long to to hit that button, right? Like even the Tampa year, they only got to what the seven the seventh best odds, I think, and they got they had lottery luck. Um, you don't want to hang your entire franchise fortunes on that. Uh, the other thing you get with the Spurs game is you find out who Doug McDermott still plays for uh, and is still oh, around man. in the league. Uh, former Can't Raptor one killer, up Doug. Who, yeah,
0: not, not me on the show. He's
1: on his sixth team now. Wow, still kicking around.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. He is still there. He did run a great two-man game with Yaku Proto. I know I've said this on a million episodes. Raptors moments is chuckling. Um, you know nice he's hitting a whole years. bunch of threes on Sunday. Once a raptor oh, killer, always a raptor. Yeah, killer. Yeah, he really has killed us a lot. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, can the Raptors just not shoot four of twenty nine? Like, damn. Like, <laughs> I think that's to me. Anytime I hear, a sh- I see a shooter on the other team. Like, I know we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back with some Furkan Korkmaz content as <laughs> Alex is uh, readying himself for this uh, for for this uh, hosting duty. But. No, I mean like even like any shooter that comes available, I'm like, oh, I would love to see him come to Toronto. And also, but we we do get those guys and they come here and then they start shooting worse. So
1: or they can't do enough other things to to stay yeah. in the rotation, like with Svi, who's now you know back in with the Celtics and oh, playing a yeah. uh, playing an actual role. But yeah, I think look, it's not going to get easier this week because no, Milwaukee and Philly are yeah. both very large teams. Now Milwaukee a little bit. Uh, you know, I think you can find some stuff against them defensively right now while they figure sure, it out. Yeah. But, yeah, the Raptors are... Uh, the Wemby thing is going to be fun because, like, you asked Dennis Schroeder about it. Yeah. Like, how are you going to score on this guy? And, like, he can only cover so much space, but he can cover almost all the space. Yeah. Like, he's he's... They're using him a lot like in the corner similar to how we've talked about you know what might the best deployment for Scotty Barnes be right now to leverage how good he is help defense and making yeah. chaos with his length off the ball. That's Imagine they, if Scotty was had an 8 foot wingspan. They they have him like, if he's standing in the corner covering his guy yeah. and someone takes a top 3 like a three for the top he will still close out. Yeah. It's Pretty hilarious. So, like, you almost, I, I think the idea is you play only two on that side. You make teams funnel the offense to the other side and play three on three in tight quarters, which I don't know that, mm-hmm. that that'll suit the Raptors. But, yeah, you better hope the threes are falling all this week because it's not, you're not playing small teams anytime soon.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But, anyway, we're going to take that last break. uh I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports I Radio Network. When we come back, Furcan mass content. This is the worst tease of all time.
2: Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. real kipper and born be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: Welcome Back to the Raptor show on the Sportsnet radio network. Um, I'm your host Alex Wong um, it's the uh, Halloween here on the Raptor show so even though I'm actually Will, obviously uh, uh, I'm in my Alex Wong costume. So, you know, I just got a Sunday's uh, tote bag. You know, Alex, you can't catch him in the city fireworks. without this. Yeah, fireworks. Uh, having haven't a weapon. Um, I got the I got the tote bag. Sundays Coffee Club. I got the uh, double dribble sweater. You've seen him on many episodes of the show uh i've got the little cornicello necklace that uh, i want Jos- to like
2: go to space
0: yeah uh, yeah well joseph gashara went to uh you know the hometown and got me this in a trip many years ago it's a little lucky charm that southern italians like to hang over the doors uh i got prehistoric in stores <laughs> now you know number one uh in the city um and uh yeah you know i got this little too because you know i don't want to show my hair ever so What's going on guys? You know I hate basketball. What's, up? What's
1: no, up? No bars? You're doing an Alex costume and you don't spit bars?
0: Uh yeah, I need time to write those down. That's not off the dome. You know, not like my jay Z. <laughs>
2: hey man, I pronounce his name right. <laughs> hey man, this is will Lou. you know. You know, I was talking about, you know, being more mature last week, but Raptors go one and three and you know, I can't find no work-life uh, balance. No, I'm, and this is what it's all about, you know, losing on a Monday game to Portland. Like I can't believe it, man. Scoot Henderson. Who is Skylar May anyways, cool. man? Anyways, what's up, Blake? <laughs> I just and do a, Blake's just did Blake? I do a Blake impression? This is not how we drew it up, but no, that's all good, man. What's up, guys? Happy Halloween! Happy man. Halloween, everybody!
0: Honestly, so, everyone got to lighten up a little bit, and by everyone, I mean me. Goodness, right? uh, um, it's game
2: four, it, four of the season. All yeah, right? we, we're aware of this. Dennis Schroeder is literally like, I was, I've been on OKC, I've been on the Atlanta Hawks. Like, I've started one and three. I mean, the Lakers the, what, started what, what, two. The Lakers started two and ten last year.
0: Right, you, and you know, know like, they made the conference finals.
2: Yeah, so. so it's all good. And there's also more life than uh, more to life than just basketball, uh, as you you know, from, as you impersonate it. So, <laughs> yeah. Halloween costumes. All right, let's do a quick rundown. You know, Will obviously is me. Blake, who are you today? Kevin Owens, Kevin WWE, WWE wrestler, the very wrestler. easy costume. I'm Justin Bourne um, from uh, Kipper and Bourne. In no way other than having a born jersey. <laughs> I did this. Uh, you got to put the camera on me, guys. I also picked up this uh, new Everton kit, a Wayne Rooney. I was going to be Derek today because our producer, Derek Brandeo, is a huge oh, yeah. Everton fan. So. You're just going to come in with some Portuguese baking for everyone? <laughs> so, Derek, you can go back to watching Poker After Dark now Um, in your producer room. I just want you to lock in on that, mm. so... All right, guys,
0: should we get to around the NBA? <laughs> no, let's do it. Let's do it. I know I know the podcast audience is like, I couldn't have seen any of this. But maybe, I don't know, maybe oh, yeah, JR puts it out as a clip or something. So,
2: you guys had a great chat with Howard Beck, touch on the James Harden trade, but did you guys touch on the Furkan Korkmaz subplot?
1: We did not. We saved that for you. Yeah, oh, we, we, we like, saved it for you. I know. H- Howard Beck might be one of the most respected writers in all of basketball Seriously, and right. be the head of the PBWA, that, but yeah. he doesn't know Furkin Korkmaz's trade machine like you know Furkin Korkmaz's
2: trade right, machine. Right, right. Yeah, so as people know, you know, friend of the program Keith Pompey last week uh, detailed that Furkan Korkmaz has made two trade requests, mm. um, you know, in the past, I believe, like eight months. And yesterday when the James Harden trade happened, um, you know, noted NBA reporter Sean Wright said, source, Furkan Korkmaz requested to be part of the Harden deal. Both Sixers and Clippers staff were against the idea. Do you guys think this went up the chain of command, or what? Did the equipment managers just huddle up and say we don't need to bring this to Daryl Morey?
0: Yeah, I don't think this needed the uh, the Dennis Shooter Leadership Council meeting about shoot-arounds. I don't think it even got to that level of escalation. It, <laughs> it is kind of interesting because, like, if you make a trade, because I, I guess like players make more trade demands that I think um, get reported. Like maybe only like a portion of them get reported. Some of the most mm. interesting ones get reported. You know, like obviously if a star player like James request a trade which happens uh every two years maybe roughly i mean roughly? this
1: is his fourth team since the start of
0: 2021 yeah yeah, yeah. so so more than <laughs> once a year you know every year actually and his annual trade uh, uh request but like I suppose this probably does happen with other players around the league, not just Furkan. But I think Sixers reporters are just like really on it in this yeah. case. I mean,
1: and it was it was like yeah. fairly well known back I'll in the championship em. season that Delon Wright would have welcomed <laughs> a, a new home. Like like role players ask yeah. for that stuff too. Do you guys want the actual boring answer on why both teams would have shot this down? Sure, Fine, tell do me right now. So this is not going boring. to so so I don't know the person in these roles for Philadelphia or the Clippers, but imagine it's not going to Darko, it's not going to Assistant General Manager Dan Tolsman, it's not going to GM Bobby Webster, it's not going to President Masai Ujiri, it's going to Isaac Lax, who is like on the salary cap side of oh, things. Wow. And he's saying, "Frickin' Corkmaz makes $5.4 million. We're oh, already struggling to make the math work on this James Harden yeah. deal. The math worked on this trade by $45,000. That's how narrow it was to not huh. working. And that's why you saw like Philip Petrushev in the deal as well, just right. to kind of balance <laughs> those signs out those My sides out left winger um, on the uh,
0: winnipeg uh, so cork yes.
1: would not have even got his trade request past the salary cap guy okay. he would have been
2: like wow.
1: non-starter not doing this wow.
2: it's yeah. not even it's not even getting past zoe the security guard man like i'm <laughs> straight up zoe's just gonna be like no like he's not coming so uh there's actually betting odds right now uh not gonna mention where but the uh chicago bulls are favorites to land 4k and Korkmaz at mm. plus 125, followed by the Pacers at plus 245 and the Miami Heat at, at plus 600. Do you guys think Cork Maz is going to get his trade request granted this season? I know you haven't is, is thought you about seriously this. seriously asking this? I am. I yeah. mean,
0: yeah, why not? It is a good way to treat people to, to put them in positions that they want to be at, but I mean, beyond, beyond that basic level... I mean, who knows? You know? All right. Um, I mean, Chicago could use shooters, too, so who knows? But, yeah, I mean, I'd take them on Toronto for as a shooter. Yeah, sure.
1: my my guess is Philly's not done here, and we'll see them do yeah, more yeah, ahead of sure. the February mm-hmm. trade deadline. And then, you know, that $5.4 million contract comes in handy for making salaries work, or you attach a pick, and you yeah. bring back, you know, someone solid. I don't really know why Chicago is <laughs> the favorite
2: there. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, mean, I actually want an answer on this. Yeah,
1: I, I can't. <laughs> that one I can't figure yeah. out. Like, yeah, they could use a, another big <laughs> shooter, but I don't know who they'd send out, like, Okay. I don't. I don't know that Philly has a, a use for like Javon Carter or something yeah. like that. Um, I mean maybe they do, but I, I don't. I don't yeah. see it. I'll take but yeah. Javon Carter in Toronto too, but
2: Corkman's. Corkman will end up somewhere. Okay, I'm excited for my guy, man. Um, anyways.
1: Wait until wait until he does get traded, and then we hear like Frickin' Korkmaz did not want to. This was not one of the teams on his trade list. <laughs> oh.
2: yo, yo, yo! Chris Hayes is gonna be like Frickin' Korkmaz will not report to Toronto. Yo, he's going if he's traded here. He's, yeah. gonna, he's
0: gonna submit like a tw- a list of twenty nine teams that that's his trade uh, <laughs>
2: Oh my our, god. Yeah. Anyways, around the NBA, some early season news and trends and random questions. Wanted to get your thoughts on these. Um, let's start with we'll lose preseason over under lock the, um, the Memphis Grizzlies without John Moran have started. Oh, and four to, to begin this season. Yeah. What is a what is a concern level here? Just small small sample size theater? No, no, or no, something no. more real? Trick or treat, my brother.
1: We know we know. Will loves the theater. <laughs> I do love the theater. Go
2: uh, watch Wicked, man. I love Wicked. Go
0: watch. Wow, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the recommendation. Go watch Wicked. What
1: are you Book of say Mormon,
2: now?
0: fire. You guys gonna be like, go see Hamilton. All right, um, yeah.
2: go to Hamilton.
0: Yeah, also a good recommendation. Um, yeah. look, listen, I I think it's a real concern, right? I mean, um, you did lose Stephen Adams, like pretty mm-hmm. much day one of the season, if mm-hmm. not, like, right before, or like, one of the final practices. And pretty much he's out for the year. And I think that really does cut down on sort of what they have to offer. And, and you, you do like look around and it's like they already are struggling with a little bit of depth just because they're relying on a lot of these young guys to continue panning out and they have really had a great run of like drafting guys right like mm-hmm. this is a homegrown kind of literally scenario.
2: the anti-raptors the last like three no, years they, man
0: they got jaw they got Desmond Bain one pick after Malachi Flynn which oh, fans will never let you forget about oh, God, oh, God. Uh, because of the fact that he has six foot six arms and that's why the Raptors didn't <laughs> draft him uh, or maybe maybe not but they got Jaron Jackson like their the, the whole rotation is guys that Xavier they really Tillman was a late yep. pick uh, um, mm, yeah, same draft yeah. as uh, as uh, as Desmond and, and Malachi. But no, seriously, like it's just those guys haven't really been able to step into those roles quite as quickly. And I do think Stephen Adams really is a huge loss for them. Like it's not such a big thing where it's like you go zero and four without a guy like that, but. Mm. He is really, really important to their success, and it's devastating to lose him on the eve of the season. Well, it's also, it's compounded by the fact that Brandon Clark's
1: out as well, right? Like, yes, like when, yes. we, when we mm-hmm. did that over-under, one of the concerns I expressed, and this was before we knew Stephen Adams had an injury, yeah. I said, well, the front court, like, if someone goes down, you don't have Brandon Clark, you don't know when he's back. Um, even something as small now as, like, Santi Aldama has a, an ankle thing
4: mm-hmm. and yeah. missed, the, mm-hmm.
1: missed the game. So, like, suddenly that looks like a really big thing because Santi Aldama is a guy you expect to be in that role. Like, David Roddy's probably not ready. That, he this played is,
0: 29 minutes last night, though.
1: 30 minutes? Who did? Mm. David Roddy. Yeah. Big body Roddy. Yeah. And, like, Xavier Great Tillman's team, averaging 30 minutes a game. Like, they didn't have... Yeah. They had good front court depth, but nobody can stand to lose your starting center and your backup center, really. Mm-hmm. And I know Clark's more of a power forward, but they'll use him in those spots. Um, I'm not crazy worried yet they lost the they lost close games to three really good teams yeah in new orleans denver and dallas uh dallas game i guess wasn't that close the washington game though like that wizards team is really bad like they got blown out in both their other
2: games Mm. um so jordan pool did well we're getting to that it's on the list my brother once again it's um, on the once again read the document yeah yeah i worked so hard on this document and you don't even look at it on the producer is that me again um anyways yes so not concerned blake not concerned? Uh, I, I mean, I'm concerned, but not like
1: I'm concerned about the Steven Adams injury in their desk, yes, not no. necessarily long that they term. started over four. Like you're okay. I think the West is too tight for you to feel comfortable at all yeah. if you're Memphis. Like like they might by way of starting poorly and being out two key front court pieces, yeah. that's enough to drop you from playoff to play in the Western conference. Yes. It's that tight.
2: Yeah, no, that's true, man. Okay. <laughs> um sticking with the West, um jumping around here, I wanna know what's more impressive to you guys. To start the season, the Warriors have won three in a row on the road, something they didn't do <laughs> all of last season.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or the Mavericks, Luka Doncic and the Mavs starting 3-0 for the first time since the 2004-05 season. Which is more impressive to you guys to start the season?
1: I'm going with the with the Warriors side of things. Dallas has played probably the easiest schedule in basketball hmm. so far. Um they and beat, they had a crazy sequence in Luka to even win one of those games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and he
2: threw that shot in? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean he went didn't he hit like four straight threes down the stretch in the fourth quarter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They um, were fully on his, losing on the his game. way to like yeah. forty nine. Um yeah, they beat the Spurs. And that was the Spurs' closest game so far. They beat the Nets, who, again, it was a close game. The Nets are fun, but I don't know if they're going to end up being very good. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, they beat that Grizzlies team that we just talked about. So I'm not as impressed by that as even, you know, the Kings and the Pelicans on the road for Golden State. Those are, those are good wins.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, more importantly, the Chris
1: Paul on the bench thing seems, to, it's actually seems working. to work.
0: Yeah, I think this is actually exactly what the Warriors sort of anticipated. I mean, whatever. They lose game one to, to, on opening night to Phoenix. They didn't have Draymond for that. I think they really did miss a a big forward. But, yeah, this is a big issue for them last year. Like, they were so deeply unserious on the road, and they had all these frustrating results. And, you know, the fact that Chris Paul's already reached the point where he's like, you know, I'm happy to come off the bench, and I'm Mm going to be productive, and we're going to win in that role. That sells it so much. But also, at a certain point, I'm like, Chris, you're like 38, 39. Like, what do we got to sell you? Like, you
2: know? (laughs) Also, he wants that ring, man. (laughs) Exactly. He wants to complete that resume,
0: right? And plus, Steph, obviously, is playing at an amazing level. Already has, like, some ridiculous amounts of Mm game-winning, like, opportunities uh, already on this season. So, I mean, that's something we expect from Steph anyway. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm a Warrior fan, I'd be thrilled. Honestly, you've lived a charmed existence for the last decade if you're a Warrior fan, outside of watching Nico Mannion and uh, James Wiseman for a year.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we got to get Andy Lou on soon, man, just to do a quick Warriors check. Um, So, of course, the player Mm -hmm. that was traded from... Golden stay for Chris Paul, like you, the aforementioned Jordan Poole. I believe they were trailing like 26 to 11 to the Celtics in the first quarter yesterday. And Jordan Poole comes up court, um, dribbles, like does a bunch of like behind the back, like weird twirling dribbles, like with his back to the basket and then just pulls up for three and gets blocked by Porzingis. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of these clips going around just with the Wizards, like not being serious. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you guys, which hypothetical career would you rather have? Number one, Jordan Poole has a championship ring. Mm. Maybe for the rest of his career, just gets to mess around on bad teams and like average 25 points. Or Chris Paul, the point guard, one of the best point what? guards of all time, but oh, zero rings. Are you kidding Assuming he ends up with zero
1: rings. Are you kidding me? me? Yeah. With you kidding me with yeah, I'm taking the Chris Paul side. Yeah, uh, on top. Like, I'm taking Poole. Yeah,
2: I mean, <laughs> Chris Paul's had his birthright for 18 years. Poole has cultural impact. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and I mean, God, uh, see, like, Obviously Chris Paul has been a max player his whole career, but like yes. what a Jordan Poole contract is now versus what Chris Paul was making his prime, it's possible yes. Jordan Poole ends up making more money if he stays decent oh, for like one, another no, that, big contract. Yes. And think
2: more and think more critically about this. Like Jordan Poole is just gonna get to chill for the rest of his career without the no, spotlight man. on him. No, no. First of all, I'm off, going with Jordan Poole. I don't respect it if he just chills for the
0: rest of his you career. You don't respect his You're, perspective? He's, he's like twenty four years old. Okay. Like you yeah, just I'm tell just me, saying. Oh, we won that one ring and now I'm just gonna just just do BS with the Wizards for the rest. By the way, when you're describing this play, he didn't make any all these. moves. He just like kind of pushed it in transition. Saw he had no numbers, sauntered backwards, did a behind the back dribble, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna just quick pop the three, even though nobody's here. We haven't run a single play." Porzingis is like, "Excuse me, I'm seven foot three, and I can really block shots." Mm. And then above all that, Porzingis runs above the break. You know, he's getting an early seal against the guard, and guess what? Jordan Poole, who took the <laughs> shot from three, doesn't run back, doesn't provide help, and 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 you know. Porzingis scores, like, that's all you, man. Like, anybody would hate playing basketball like that. So, no, I mean, obviously you take Chris Paul's uh, side on that kind of scenario. And honestly, like, for me, it is kind of funny because the Wizards are back to the scenario where, especially my favorite versions of the Wizards are, like, them wearing, like, the gold jerseys and, say, bullets on them. And they just had a bad story coming about them every week. And it was sometimes, like, real serious. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, they brought guns to the locker room. Sometimes it was not so serious. Like, oh, like, Gilbert Arenas pooped in a teammate's shoe. But we're, we're getting back to that level. Of those, are,
2: those are those the both very serious issues to me, okay, Will? <laughs>
0: okay, you're right, you're right. Like,
2: I don't know why you're downplaying that okay, ladder or maybe one. it's like JaVale McGee. If, from- if I came into the office and you pooped in my shoe, like, that's a meeting. <laughs> yeah, you're that's right. That's a Dennis Schroeder, Darko, Thaddeus, Young meeting, okay? You're right, you're right. What you're is right. wrong with you? And uh, never, that's your
0: dirty new balances. <laughs> uh, but, no, seriously, like, it, to me, it's just like – th- I think I saw someone tweeted out. It was just like – it's like a spiritual successor to like an Andre Blatch to like a JaVale McGee because yeah. they used to have guys like just throw rebounds off their own re- glass to get the triple-double and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Washington is back to being deeply, deeply unserious. Yeah.
2: Free Tyus Jones. <laughs> oh, bring man. Bring him yeah, home. Give us, give us Tyus Jones. This isn't yeah. home, but it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah bring, so bring him, him home. Bring him home. I'm just saying, man, in 20 years, if you're rocking a CP jersey versus a Jordan Poole Wizards jersey, which one's hitting, man? Does this change if Chris Paul wins a ring? Yeah, yeah your I think if then? Chris Paul wins a ring, there's not a conversation. <laughs> I what? just think Jordan Poole got cultural impact, man.
0: What if it's the What if it's the Chris Paul jersey that Drake wore as a substitute to Kanye?
2: Oh, okay. We're not gonna get in every time you mention Kanye, it's trouble. So, anyways, uh, the Sacramento Kings earlier this week, I believe, gifted LeBron James wine, Nikes, and a frame photo from his NBA debut on the 20th anniversary of his first pro game because his first pro game, everybody I think knows, was in Sacramento. So I want to know when LeBron eventually has his farewell tour in the final year of his NBA career and he comes to Toronto for his final game, what should the Raptors gift LeBron James?
1: I don't think you give anything to a person who's taken so much from the city of no, Toronto God. and the Raptors.
0: <laughs> what, uh, what did the Utah Jazz give Michael Jordan back in the
2: day? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't it, know, man. It's,
0: it's, no, I mean, um, first off, if I could just make... The most obvious prediction of uh, Drake, the global ambassador, will be there in attendance.
2: Mm, that's my up, boy.
0: You have to show up to the games yet this season, but he's been busy. Obviously, a new album just dropped. Yeah, he's reading
2: pretty They're, right they're now, playing so. the
0: half the album and then the warm-up, by the way. If you, if you yeah. haven't heard of the album, um, you will just come to the Raptor game and, and hear half of it. But, um, yeah, Drake will be there. And
2: I don't—what would you give LeBron? I mean— maybe the beer that he pretended to be chugging in Cleveland that's what I mean like the
0: yeah. beer maybe the ball that he spun in Serge's face yeah. maybe a uh,
2: frame photo of that alley hoop he threw to Kyrie Irving three minutes into a game seven series uh, series and you realize it was already over
0: maybe yeah. the uh, the margaritas that him and Drake were supposed to go out for after he beat the Raptors one of those games and he was like Margaritas <laughs> on you uh, so, yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, you know, shout shots to Sacramento Kings. That was really cool. It was really cool to see the photo side-by-side side of LeBron doing one of his first dunks. And, obviously, LeBron got a bit of that signature dunk kind of yeah. thing. And, like, seeing the photos side-by-side 20 years apart is just, like, you do have to admire, like, just how much this athlete has been able to maintain his level and, obviously, improve his level, you know. Uh, but also, um, yeah, starting at center from the Sacramento Kings, he'll put you in the bonus. <laughs> DeMontis,
2: Sabonis. Start. These are deep cuts today, These are deep, deep cuts, man. All right, sticking with <laughs> Raptors related, DeMar DeRozan needs just, actually Will pointed out to this, this to me in the media room yesterday. DeMar DeRozan needs just 33 points to surpass Larry Bird on the all-time scoring list. And, and Will and I got into a discussion wanted to pick your brain about this, Blake. Is DeMar a lock to be a Hall of Famer? I don't think so.
1: And I think mm. it's, uh, I think he's, you know, he is, he has had a better career than people who are in the Hall of Fame. There are worse players in the Hall of Fame. That is probably the bar that some people use. I think some people try to Mm. evaluate each case on if they think, like, DeMar has had a better career than Mitch Richmond, Mm. who is in the Hall of Fame. Sure, you're going to
2: need to explain to Will who that is. Um, Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I do... I think that unless he wins a ring late in his career, um, DeMar could be an interesting litmus test for the effect that rings culture has had Mm. on something like the Hall of Fame, because DeMar has been... One of the most prolific scorers of his entire generation, he's a guy. He's super well liked all around the league. Fans, other players, things like that. He has a bunch of All Stars. He has a couple All NBAs. He's been near the. He's never led the league in scoring, but he's been right near the top. He's yeah. been one of the league's Iron Men, so he's right. just played a ton of basketball as well. Um, I, I, I think on counting stats, he probably gets where everyone has to think really about it. But I do wonder if a pretty serious lack of playoff success. Like that year that they went to the conference finals is the only time he's been out of the second round. Mm. Um, He's only been out of the first round, the three times he did it with Toronto. Like he hasn't had playoff success since he left. Um, I love DeMar. He's again, one of the most prolific scorers of Mm. this generation, but I do think there will be some voters who look and say, well, we measure everything by playoff success now. And uh, DeMar hasn't had it.
0: Um, who do you think has made more threes? By the way, so because I, I was thinking about this, and I was like, "Wow, Demar's gonna pass Larry." But like, so much of scoring inflation has happened because
1: right, and Larry's are, Larry's forty third on the all time list. Like, it's not like it's yeah. not like he's crazy high,
0: right? Right. And Demar's sure. cracking the I top mean, ten. Listen, or Demar's anyway. not slowing down either. Like, Demar's no. gonna keep going up and up and up. Um, but like, yeah, to me, I'm like, you know, well, a lot of these players now they're just shooting so many more threes, and you're seeing the f- scoring inflate. But then I thought about it. I was like, Damar might actually have more threes than Larry Bird. So I want to ask you guys, who do you guys think has more career threes? Damar, DeRozan, in the three-point era, or Larry Bird, which obviously played at a time? I'm going to go with Damar.
1: Yeah, I think Damar.
0: Yeah, actually, it's Larry Bird somehow. But, oh. Yeah. I was yeah. really surprised see this. Yeah, Larry has 649 threes. For his career, which I believe is the equivalent of, like, honestly, like, two Steph seasons. Calling him Larry's killing me.
2: Man. Just call him Bird, okay, please. Fine, Bird. Like, just say
0: Bird. Bird, all right? Damn, what's this, The Wire? And then, yeah, 458 for his career for DeMar DeRozan.
2: Wow. I was making, I mean, this is not a one-to-one comp, and I don't know if you guys have the all-time scoring list up. I want to know where Melo is on that. Melo um, is 11th. Okay, so, so DeMar, he's way up there.
1: DeMar would move into 43rd. Okay, yeah. Melo is 11th. The other interesting one is Vince is 23rd.
2: Yeah, because my Vince comp... Hall of Fame, yeah, yeah, but my comp is like... I, I'm, I wasn't making a comp to Melo, but it's like... Melo's obviously, I think, had more of the spotlight in the Olympics, the, the championship at Syracuse. Yeah. Um, but Melo, if you put up that playoff resume and stuff, it's similar to DeMar's. Um, so, if DeMar can get to, like, I don't know, I mean, 25th all-time in scoring... It's like if you put Melo in, like, I feel like DeMar should be in as well. Well,
0: this is the issue. They put Mitch Richmond in.
2: Like, <laughs> you you got to stop disrespecting Mitch Richmond. No, man. but come on. I'm going to take this personal.
0: Come on. Mm. All right.
2: That's my God. So man. right now, Mitch, just, please. Just
1: for context before we go, the the yeah. highest scoring player not in the Hall of Fame, and I'm excluding the guys who are recently retired. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't think Joe Johnson's going in, but he's yeah. recently retired enough that we'll, we'll say he still has a chance. Uh, Tom Chambers, who has 20,000 sure. points. Yeah. Uh, but did not, or at least to this point, has not got in. I don't think he's getting in at age 64 here. Um, you never know. So, yeah, that's that's the highest scoring guy who hasn't got in.
2: Okay. No, no, that's true. And I, I mean, I think you make a good point, Blake, too, about the rings culture. It's like the Kyle Lowry discussion kind of, you know, I, I feel like everybody leaned towards him being a Hall of Famer after the championship. Mm. Like, once he got that championship on his belt, it's like everyone else just falls into place. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> I know we only have a few minutes here. But last one for you guys. Per Kurthika from the other network, you know Nikola Jokic had another triple-double last night and is now tied for fourth all-time in triple-doubles at 107. Mm. Only ahead of him are Magic Johnson at 138, Oscar Robertson, 181, Russell Westbrook, 198. Probably got all those in that one season. Um, Is Nikola Jokic a lock to finish as an all-time leader in triple-doubles? Oh, that's a great question. He is 91 away lebron is still active at 107 but I mean, let's be fair Jokic is gonna have a longer runway
0: um uh, honestly especially because the level that he's reached now where and i think especially because of the way the denver nuggets have structured their team around him mm-hmm. um yeah i actually can see it i mean like we're probably thinking about maybe three four years he can get there you know but that's so crazy
2: but you're right
0: yeah i think he actually can and in terms of like the ingredients of what to get a triple double with like I great passing center the best passing center of all time should have that record i feel like i should associate that more than with him more than with a guard so
2: i think he'll get there all right all right yeah. locked in there appreciate you, you guys
0: all right <clears throat> that does it for us today i'm your host Alex i don't Wong. talk like that man. you're listening to the raptor show on the sports <laughs> radio network you know make sure you find the raptor show historic on podcast. indigo subscribe and please buy the sold book. sold out on amazon thanks to dennis Ruder. um Howard Beck, Blake Murphy, producer and co host uh, Will Liu, our board producer Derek Brendale, Jennifer Milnick, David Sis, JR Manitav for helping behind the scenes. Have a safe and happy Halloween.